0: clocks in the building tell the same time. Um, welcome to the June planning policy working group. Um, apologies for absence. John Lodge I'm aware of. That's it. Declarations of interest. Minutes of the previous meeting. The inaccurate record. Yep. Yeah. okay, thank you. Um, matters arising from the meeting um, we'll take PP 75 to 77 78 79 80.
1: He's trying to interpret my notes. Um, there was the. No, I'll bring it, I'll bring this item up later. It's a question about how we handle the policies, but I can I can bring that up under the item. Sorry. Uh, 80 81. Councillor Parry.
2: Um, under the project plan, um, just wondering how we're going to hit the end of July target um, when the draft hasn't yet been...
3: Sorry?
2: Oh, sorry. Um, how are we going to hit the end of July target when um, we don't yet have a draft? And when are the draft options being produced? What are they? And who has decided what options will be covered?
0: Uh, well, the... Um Officers are going to put forward the options and um, perhaps we can have an indication of uh, what we're going to hear on the 28th of June, um, what we're going to hear on the 12th of July. I think Cabinet and full Council will then be um, sort of decision-making times, but perhaps in answer to that question, what we'll hear on the 28th of June and the 12th of July?
4: Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, yeah, Richard Fox for the benefits of the microphone. Um, the 28th of June will be a facilitating workshop as it sets out there for all all members are invited. What we hope to uh, unveil at that meeting will be the progress to date on all the evidence that we have got and essentially what that means for taking a preferred option or options forward uh, in terms of an overarching development strategy chairman. So that will be a sort of free and frank discussion if I can use that term. Uh, where all members are free to ask questions about the conclusions of the evidence base and what, excuse me, we're likely likely or potentially going to be put forward to the um, sequence of governance meetings which you've got following on from that. So uh, the special meeting of PPWG and then the Cabinet and then the full Council meeting, uh, there will be a report Chairman setting out uh, officers' opinion of what the preferred spatial options should be, and those that have been discounted. But that will be the reason why the workshops be done in advance, so, so that members have a, a, hopefully a full understanding of the issues behind that by the time we get to, to those meetings, Chairman.
0: So will you be on the 28th of June giving indications of what the options might be? Yes, Chairman, yeah. So, um, this is a closed meeting, isn't it? Yes, it is, Chairman, yes. Okay, so does that answer your question?
2: It does. It just seems that we don't get to hear the options as the working group until all members get to hear them. We don't even get a chance to discuss them until such time. The special meeting presumably is for us to make the decision. Yeah. Do we not need a bit more time than that? Do we not need to see some sort of progress before the 28th of June so that we can have some idea and be thinking about it and researching it and looking into it? We just get one meeting and then we're expected to, um, it's almost as if we're expected to just rubber stamp the um, preference of the officers. No, I don't think, to be fair, I don't think there's
0: any question of that. Um, So obviously we'll have a special meeting for this group on the 12th of July when we'll be going through. In a lot of detail, all the options, and to come out with a. It, 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 we, we need to be clear. This is this is about the the, the structural plan. It's not about the detail of it. Mm-hmm.
2: It's about the strategy, presumably. The strategy.
0: But, yeah. yeah. Um, so and and obviously to. Um, to work with with all members because we think that's the right thing to do in terms of how we're going to be coming to that conclusion. So that was the intention, that we come to a conclusion that then goes through the process but very much comes back to full Council on the 26th of July. So again, uh, it is a Council decision. I, I think that's enough, Councillor Parry. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, I think you're going to have a lot of opportunity. Nothing's going to be sprung on you here. Um, we'll, be, we'll be going through the process as described by Mr. Fox an extended meeting of PPWG on the 12th of July, which obviously is in public. So, uh, at that point, uh, yeah, sorry about that. I mean, it's that is the yeah the difficulty, but. Um, um, But I I, I think there'll be plenty, nothing's going going to be sprung here. There'll be plenty of opportunity to carefully go through that. Okay, anything else? PP80. Yep, yep, Councillor Dean. I
1: I think this is probably an appropriate thing to hook something on board that I flagged up a few days ago on, on the local plan project, because one of the things that we've had, I suppose you could say, hanging over us from the past is the question of the two appeals on Elsinore and, and Little Easton, which it is now, what, two years probably or more since they were refused, and uh, over 18 months since there was a uh, uh, hearings, um, and, and 12 or 14 months since we were promised a decision by the Secretary of State. Now, it has come to my attention in the last week or so that there has been correspondence taking place from the Department for Communities and Local Government with the interest of parties which include this council and uh, the, the, the parish councils or the parish council groups. I, I, don't, I don't know who all the parties were. Um, and, uh, and from what I can gather, they are still re- continuing to request information before the Secretary of State can make a decision. I'm I'm wondering whether Mr Harbour or somebody can just give us a statement as to what's going on, because a lot of people are getting extremely frustrated and if not angry about the the delay and the uncertainty that that's brought with it. Um, um, I'll, I'll, I'll see if
0: uh, well, uh, I'm sure Mr Harper will want to
1: come on this, but I'll tell you what I'm aware of, uh, because
0: we've, uh, as, as you're aware, because I've reported this previously at PPWG, uh, we've been involving uh, Sir Alan Hazelhurst, who, who has been contacting the Minister, and my understanding was that they'd made a decision um, before the elections in May, um, but then went into Perda and didn't feel – I know we weren't particularly in Purda, but Generically, they were in Perda. Um, and since then, there have been two cases that, uh, elsewhere in the country uh, that could affect the outcome. So, as a consequence of that, uh, they are seeking um, updates from the relevant parties. And I think Mr. Harper will refer to some of the things that we've got to respond to uh, around that. Um, and these responses have to be in by, coincidentally, the 23rd of June. Um, and obviously then they've got to be digested. Uh, And um, we will make a very, very strong case that we have got to get an answer in July um, and that the recess should not be allowed to get in the way of this because we we all absolutely agree. Uh, First of all, they're very important to our local plan. And secondly, it's a a sword hanging over um, um, communities that we, we, we need to deal with and um, uh, this this Council has applied every possible pressure it can to get an outcome on on this, but I'll ask Mr Harper if there's anything to add to that.
5: Thank you, Leader. Um, As is always the case where there's a significant period between an inquiry closing and a decision being made on the appeals, there is a need to, to consider whether or not there are any new material considerations which have emerged during that period so dclg is going through that process of inviting views as to whether there are any such uh, material considerations Um, as the leader has said uh, that the window for making those submissions is up until the 23rd of june there will then be a further short period for representations on the submissions of other parties uh, and then um, one would anticipate that uh, the Secretary of State would then make a prompt decision, but um, we don't know. Um, we'll have to wait and see how, how quickly the matter is resolved.
0: But we, 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 we will be applying some very serious pressure on that, because, um, and if necessary, Sir Alan will raise it in the House as long as we haven't hit recess, because um, you know, it, 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 it's a situation that cannot, uh, you, you know, go beyond that. We understand. What's caused this delay? But then they have to make the decision, because otherwise it's a bit like local plans. The longer you leave it, the more circumstances change, and you have to redo the circumstances. So um, we're, we're fully on board with you here, Councillor. Yeah, Dean. I mean,
1: Council I'd just like to come back first, because you know, it does seem to me that whereas with a, a local authority, the government sets targets for making for determining applications, and here we are with the government in itself taking forever and ever, and and, and it it it. it It appears uh, no evidence for this. You know, it almost appears as though they're sort of waiting until the goalposts are in the right position, uh, by whatever circumstances they're looking for, before they kick the ball the way they want to kick it. I just can't. I just doesn't make sense at all. And Mm. it just seems to me it it opens the government up to potential judicial review because people think that they haven't been treated fairly. But well, I think
0: the reverse would be true if they didn't take account of you know updated circumstances they'd be open to Judicial Review so but um, Councillor Loughlin.
6: Thank you, well I actually had a phone call this afternoon uh, because um, I understand it's illegal. Challenge and some parishes are having to consult lawyers, which is actually also costing them a lot of money, which they can ill afford. And if it's parish councils, ultimately, it is uh, taxpayers' money. Mm. So, you know, I, th- I think the sooner this is sorted out, it will be better for everybody around.
0: Absolutely, we totally, absolutely agree with you. Um, PP82 completed the meeting, Councillor Barker.
7: Just briefly to say, Chairman, that we did have a meeting of the duty to cooperate group this week, Monday, I think it was, where we did further discuss the three potential memorandum of understanding that we will be signing uh, with our other authorities, Harlow, Epping Forest and East Herts. These three memorandums are, one is around transport and our priorities for transport. One is around where the houses are actually going within the distribution between the four districts. And the third one is around air quality and the intention at the moment is that all four districts will start their local plan when it's submitted with the same memorandum and the the whole of the strategic housing market area that say these for our area are transport priorities, these are where we're putting the houses, you know, in which districts, and this is some of the air quality issues that we are aware of within the district, particularly um, with Hatfield Forest, with Epping Forest and also with Saffron Walden. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you.
0: Uh, Councillor Dean. Council yeah, can impact.
1: I just raise a point? It's on page 10, the second paragraph down, which says it was noted that East Hearts had given the green light to the new development north of Harlow. Now, I read in the probably the Hearts and Essex Observer last week that um, that East Hearts Council was applying to the government for, for money in case they go ahead with that, but they were quite adamant in the press that they had not made any decisions uh, that you could describe as a green light, whether whether they describe as an amber light, I'm not sure, but they, they, you know, they were making out, we were applying for this just in case we need it, but uh, no decision has been made, so I, I just wonder where... Whether there's an interpretation of words here or, or whether we've got a misunderstanding as to what East Hearts are doing.
0: It, it quite possibly is an interpretation of words in terms of an indication. So uh, perhaps we could check on that to make sure that our minutes are accurate, unless Mr. Fox has
4: anything to add. Yeah, you're so, sorry, Chairman. Yes, uh, there are sort of nuances and words. Um, I, I will go back and check. But my understanding of the East Hearts position is that they have taken reports to their members and essentially agreed in principle to apply for the funding this of course as far as East Hearts are concerned won't predetermine or prejudge what goes in their plan so you, you, you do you understand what I'm saying councillor so it is interpretation of words I think as much as anything else but I will go back and check their official uh, committee position Councillor so, um, Sorry,
2: South Cams um, you said it's Last time it was stated that regular officer meetings were still taking place. Um, We are not getting any explanation of what these are, no minutes, um, so we don't know what's happening there. And duty to cooperate appears to now have slipped off the agenda. Given that that was one of the things that the inspector wasn't happy with last time, and I know Councillor Lodge keeps talking about this, I am concerned about keeping this duty to cooperate keeping the paper trail, and we're just not getting a paper trail with regard to South Cams.
0: Well, I'll let uh, Mr Harborough uh, respond to that. Um, I, I, I mean, the inspector wasn't one of his particular concerns. He, he thought it had broadly been covered, and I think uh, uh, Councillor Barker has given you an indication of the progress on the duty to cooperate. And I think the memorandum of understanding will very clearly lay out our position. It will be a pretty solid piece of evidence, but specifically South Cams, Mr Harborough.
5: Yes, I, in fact, I met with the Director for Communities at South Cambridgeshire this morning, um, which is part of the ongoing uh, contact which we have with uh, our neighbouring planning authority. They, of course, are at the stage of um, going back to examination at the moment. The hearings are underway in respect of um, the, the uplift in the scale of development which um, they're planning for in, in South Cambridgeshire and uh, of course, that's associated with the similar plans for for Cambridge City Council area as well. Um, those, uh, they were required to come back with proposals for enhanced level of growth um, as a result of the first round of hearings um, and they have, um, they believe, satisfied the inspector's um, interim concerns in that respect. Uh, they are not looking to export uh, any of their housing need to be met within Uttlesford District. That remains the position.
2: Um, the report was that officer meetings are taking place to agree the cross-boundary issues, such as transport, and we're not getting any notes on that, what's, what's happening there, what issues there are, what's, what's being talked about.
5: Um, our our transport consultants, like Young Green, are considering the impacts of different development proposals on the highway network without constraint by local authority administrative boundaries. So they are looking at uh, the potential effects of, of different proposals on the Cambridgeshire network, and including Highways England's network within Cambridgeshire.
2: Should notes on this not be included in the work we're doing?
5: Uh, yes that will be it will be documented yes
0: okay if uh, we're happy now um, that uh, completes matters arising and, sorry Councillor Parry
2: at the end of the minutes are, is the reply you gave to the notes that um, Councillor Lodge left yeah and just got a couple of points on those Um, the employment land review you state that um, the ELR doesn't assume a dispersed strategy but as, it's, as the current review is being based on the 2014 one which is um, predicated on the old dispersed housing model how, how is it not is that not what it's been asked to do assume a dispersed strategy because it's following the same guidelines
0: I'll ask Mr Fox to
4: detail that. Yes, thank you, Chairman. There is a verbal update, obviously, later on on this agenda in terms of where we are with the employment review. But, yeah, if it's okay with you, Council, I'll clear that up when we get to that item because I can probably explain better then.
2: Thank you. And um, CIL, again, there's no indication of timing. Um, If it's under review, why are we not consulted on it? And um, can you tell us How much money has been lost by UDC in having a section 106s in place rather than CIL at present? Presumably, for you to be able to assess the comparative merits of the two, um, this this exercise must have been undertaken. Um, And also, is it possible to use um, both CIL and 106s at the same time?
0: Uh, I'll start, and then who who wants to take that on? Pick that up. the council very clearly looked at the benefit of 106 and CIL the last time and it was, it, was, it was absolutely clear that 106 were financially beneficial. I know there is some obsession uh, by others that CIL is the panacea to everything. Uh, it isn't. It might be right um, and we have said that we will obviously, as we do with everything, look at this um, very carefully to make sure that whatever solution we have um, is in the best interest of Atlesford as a whole. I understand you can run 106 and SIL at the same time, but uh, I'll ask Mr Harborough for that. We haven't got a timetable, but rest assured that we will will be going through most carefully CIL, um, and um, we'll start a briefing process during the summer around that. Because it is a a careful judgment. I don't think we should just assume that CIL is is better than 106. And as far as I'm aware, uh, we, out of the District Council, haven't lost a bean on 106.
2: We can use both, though, so it's not a question of choosing between the two. South Cam's, um, South Cams are reserving the right to use both, and we could do the same, because some instances...
0: Section yeah, no, I think, aren't right. No, that's what I said. I, I believe you can. You, you can run the two. Yeah.
5: Yes, you can run the two, but, it's of course, uh, one of the principles of the CIL that you can't collect contributions through a levy um, for works which are being funded directly or directly provided through a a, a 106 obligation so you can't double collect it's either one or the other it will depend upon the specifics of the development concerned as to whether if you do have a SIL whether you're collecting contributions through that levy or whether you're seeking direct direct provision Um, in terms of the the process for uh, developing a, a infrastructure levy, it has to be integrated with your local plan preparation work because to justify your uh, SIL charging schedules, you need to, to be able to, to specify what infrastructure is required to support the development which is being proposed in the local plan. Um, that's why, in respect to the previous version of the local plan, that exercise was done after the, uh, the plan allocations and development strategy be, had been determined and then we commissioned BNP Paribas who were the experts um, to uh, to assess the relative merits of uh, implementing a, a, a civil charging ar- arrangement or uh, collecting infrastructure uh, payments through, through uh, 106 obligations um, and we will need to do the same exercise as I say, as an integrated part of this plan preparation exercise, when we have more information about the, development, um, the infrastructure requirements to support development.
0: Thank, th- thank you, Councillor Parry. Um, and uh, I believe that uh, completes uh, Master Writing. So thank you very much indeed for that. Um, we now move on to um, item four. Um, the Countryside Protection Zone review. Um, I don't see uh, Mr. Pine in the room. You're going to do that. Um, We welcome uh, land use consultants uh, here. Um, I will ask um, Mr. Fox just to introduce this in just a moment, but just to note that we have two speakers who we'll take after Mr. Fox's um, introduction. uh, Councillor Cheetham, uh, Councillor of Taitley Parish Council, and Dr Graham, am I reading this correctly, Mott? Yes, sir. Dr Mott. Okay, so um, when, when Mr Fox has finished, I don't know which order you'd like to go in. You if, if, if Come up to the mic and um, we look forward to hearing from you. Okay, Mr Fox.
4: Yes, I'll be very brief, Chairman. Um, the last meeting of uh, PPWG, um, Land Use Consultants who were appointed to review the Countryside Protection Zone, uh, and in fact, Katrina Davies, who's with us again this evening, set out uh, the proposed methodology and assessment framework, which, which was a. Gr- sorry, sorry, I beg your pardon. Okay, sorry. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll start again for your benefit. Is that is that better?
8: Yeah.
4: Okay. Now that's better. That's that's another reason why. Um, Okay, yes, at the last meeting of PPWG, land Use consultants um, presented their proposed methodology and assessment framework for undertaking a review of the countryside protection zone. Um, that was endorsed by members. Um, we've now got Katrina Davis back this evening to outline the findings of the study essentially, uh, which we uh, anticipate will form part of the evidence base for the local plan so I'll just, I think, hand after the speakers have, <coughs> excuse me, um, spoken, Chairman, I'll just hand over to Katrina.
0: Councillor Cheatham.
3: Chairman, thank you to the committee and yourself for letting me come and sp- allowing me to speak to the panel on behalf of Takeley Parish Council. LUC recognised the origins of the policy in the 1984 Airports Inquiry port- Report when Sir Graham Air QC acknowledged Stansted Airport was an airport in the countryside. Based on AIR's vision, in the 1995 local plan, Uttlesford developed the Countryside Protection Zone planning policy to limit the physical size of the airport and to maintain an area of open countryside around the airport that will not be eroded by coalescing developments. The requirements of the CPZ remain valid. LUC say the... CPZ is helping to maintain the vision of an airport in the countryside. LUC recommend that, unless other planning policy considerations suggest otherwise, the CPZ is carried forward into the new local plan. Takey Parish Council supports the conclusion of LUC. The CPZ helps to maintain the openness of the countryside and protects it its rural character and restricts the spread of development from the airport. For some parcels, particularly to the south of the airport, the CPZ plays an essential role in protecting the separate identity of individual settlements. In Taitley, LUC identified that there has been some development along the Dunmay Road, which is incongruous with the, proposal, the, propose, the purposes of the CPZ. Sorry. It is recommended that the boundary of Parcel 2 be extended to the Flitchway south of Taitley Street, Takeley Parish Council welcome this support that takes it right up to the Hatfield Forest uh, which is a very important part in our uh, a facility in our area not only for us in the south but for everybody. Unfortunately in Takeley there are a number of occasions when the CPZ has been compromised in favour of development including land south of Dunmore Road, Brewer's End, and that was for 100 dwellings. Land north of Dunmow Road and east of Church Lane, this was just recently on appeal, seven dwellings. And land west of the Chalet Dunmore Road, which is actually next to the seven dwellings, which was 10. Um, And with all this development, we've already lost a chunk of the CPZ. Take the Parish Council urges UDC to retain the CPZ policy and adopt the recommendations of LUC. In doing so we hope that in future the principles of the policy will be upheld and the CPZ policy will be rigorously applied by Uttersford District Council. And on top of that I want to know if this committee and the cabinet and and the council because it all has to go up will that come into effect sooner rather than later, because as we all know, developers are circulating, you know, they're, they're all flying around this district, and I mean flying, they've got helicopters out mapping um, as to where that they can put in their planning applications. So we are very keen that this policy is on the books as soon as possible. Thank you very much. You want to turn this off, or shall I leave it for Dr Mott?
0: By all means leave that. Uh, but, but just before uh, Dr Mott comes to the microphone, can we answer when, if we adopted this, when it would come into effect?
5: It would need to be included in the submission draft local plan, but even then, limited weight could be attached to any... Um, well, the, the proposed extension of the countryside protection zone to additional areas.
3: But, but sorry, can I come back? Where does it leave the... Policy that we have at the moment.
0: In place. In place. place, Yes. In place.
3: place, So that can be rigorously um, upheld at planning. Well, yes, because
5: that's in the adopted local plan. That's a desert. And what the the evidence suggests is uh, the adopted plan proposals are uh, meeting. Specific objectives in yeah. respect of the, the countryside protection yeah. zone, and, and therefore, weight can be attached to that. Yes,
3: yes. well, I think, the, the, as, I, uh, as I say, the weight needs to be attached to it because there's a lot of pressure on, not it's, only in our parish. Thank you very
0: could. much, Dr. Mott. Uh,
9: Mr. Chairman, I shall refer particularly to figure 4.5 at the end of section 4 of the report. It is page 24 of the report or page 48 of tonight's accumulated documents. Um, Mr. Chairman, I am a member of the subcommittee of Elston Parish Council responsible for rights of way and open spaces. Since August of last year I have walked all the footpaths in parcels 8, 9 and 10 at least once and most of them several times, so I claim acquaintance with the area. I will comment on two matters concerning parcels 9 and 10. First, it is recommended that the part of parcel 10 which lies to the north of the railway railway line should be withdrawn from the CPZ, but the report does not mention that housing was already well underway over most of this area through a scheme for 165 houses south of Stansted Road, Elsnam, which was granted outline planning approval as long ago as September 2013. And that housing ends to the south at what I regard as the natural boundary. The strip between this boundary and the railway comprises a charming sunken lane with overhanging trees, together with an area of pasture traversed by a footpath. Despite the railway, if this narrow transition strip was lost, the separation between the hard edge of Elstam and Fuller's End, a delightful small hamlet with several thatched dwellings, would be gone, and the purpose of the CPZ would be defeated in that area. Secondly, concerning the assessed levels of harm if parcels were released from the CPZ, The conclusion that parcels 9 and 10 should be rated as medium rather than high must indicate that there is something wrong with the criteria or with their application or, indeed, both. Parcel 9, which has a long boundary with the airport, should not be rated less highly than parcel 5, which has no such boundary. Again, parcel 9 should not be rated below parcel 8 when parts of 9 are between 8 and the airport. Furthermore, the impact of the m 11 to the west is assumed wrongly to apply to parcels 9 and 10 as a whole. The division between parcels is very arbitrary. The report gives the railway branch line bisecting parcel 9 as a reason not to rate this parcel more highly, but if the branch line was made a boundary, the objection would fall away. The branch line has no crossing for vehicles And two of the three rights of way which do cross it are currently out of commission. It is uh, an obvious boundary. The eastern part of parcel 9 should be combined with parcel 10. I'm very familiar with this area, but I had to consult the map in order to trace this boundary between 9 and 10 over most of its length. Burton End in the west of parcel 9 and Green in the east are both close to the airport. Their subtle and distinctive charm must be preserved if the objectives of the CPZ are to be met. Mr. Chairman, virtually all the assessments against ratings 1 to 4 for parcels 9 and 10 could be challenged if I had the time. Instead, I will summarise briefly by saying that if you are minded to alter the boundary of the CPZ in the Northwest, please follow the hard edge of the new construction site. And please recognise the essential contribution of the parcels now labelled 9 and 10 by giving them the overall designation of high rather than medium. Uh, Mr Chairman, so my thanks to you and the other members of the working group for your attention. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much indeed, uh, Dr Mott. And uh, I'll read out something now from the two. um, Could somebody just turn? Yeah, thank you. From the uh, two district councillors of Elsenham and Henham. It's actually from um, Councillor uh, Gleason. Um, and he writes. Councillor Parr and myself are unable to attend the meeting uh, tomorrow um, <coughs> as they're both working long shifts at Addenbrookes. Have, we'd like to express our concerns over the CPZ review that is being presented namely the alteration of the boundaries of parcel 10. I think this chimes with what you've just said. Um, it's proposed to move the northern boundary of parcel 10 to the line of the railway line which would remove a, a new housing development and a chunk of woodland from the CPZ we request that the proposal is changed to move the CPZ to the boundary of the new housing development, leaving the area of woodland around the railway line in the CPZ. So I think that's broadly, that was your second point. So, so uh, uh, that is uh, well made. In terms of the, um, cat- the categorisation, I'll, I'll, I'll ask uh, uh, Katrina perhaps to um, feed on that. It, it's difficult for us uh, to challenge our experts because I, the most imp- we'll hear what she has to say, but the most important thing is that we don't, you, 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 you know, it is part still of the zone. So I think that's the the key reassurance. But your point about that particular piece, uh, it's new information to um, our consultants, but uh, I I don't believe it would present a problem. So at this point, um, we look forward to listening to Katrina. (laughs) Thank you.
10: Um, I think the, the, the main thing to reassure you is that any rating of high or medium means that we fully endorse the CPZ. And and we had to try and look for variations within the parcels, but but by no means, by putting a a medium rating, were we saying it should be removed from the CPZ. Um, In terms of intricate uh moving of boundaries i've got no issues with that i mean you know the areas better than any consultant can and um the, the 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 railway was just an obvious boundary which would stop development coming out but if the if the woodlands to be included it's not it's not a policy it's not an issue for lec to decide it's an issue for 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 udc to decide sorry can
4: i just sorry chairman can I just elaborate on that as well <coughs> Katrina's is absolutely right uh, any detailed redrawing of the boundaries which we'll be talking about here will be a matter for the local plan itself as a policy decision um, so that isn't before you this evening members um, this is the evidence base that we're looking to incorporate in, into the plan but I'm sure Katrina will go back to that
10: yeah. okay so we'll push off um Well, thank you for inviting me um, here tonight. Uh, Obviously, the main purpose of tonight's presentation is to present the findings of LUC's study of the Countryside Protection Zone and our recommendations for the CPZ going forward, but... Um, without boring you, I just thought we'd quickly run through the policy context and the objectives of the study and the steps we went through to carry out the assessment. Um, I'm very aware that we went through these last time, but I thought it might be just good, in case people weren't here last time, to flash through some of these slides just as a quick reminder. Um, As Councillor Cheatham said, the the policy goes back to 1984 and the airport's inquiries and Sir Graham Ayres' description of Stansted as an airport in the countryside. And that led um, UDC to develop the CPZ policy in order to reinforce the normal planning controls on development in the countryside, um, in order to maintain an area of open countryside around the airport. And those boundaries have actually changed very little since that policy was adopted. So, the aim of the LUC study was to assess the extent to which the land within the CPZ was meeting its purposes. But the first, we had to actually define what those purposes were, and I've listed the four purposes that we defined. And as as was said earlier, this study will provide an evidence base. For the local plan. So this is an overview of the steps that we went through to carry out the assessment. Um, We first of all divided the CPEZ into parcels because we had to have some kind of framework with it how to, to carry out the assessment. We then consulted with the working group to define detailed assessment criteria for each of those four purposes. And then we assessed the contribution of each parcel to each one of the CPZ purposes. And we used a, a three-point scale um, in relation to each purpose. So what we ended up with was um, uh, maps for each of the purposes which showed the variation in the contributions of the different parcels. And as you'll see those in the full report, the performance of the parcels um, were slightly different, but at the end of the report we've showed a final map showing the level of harm if any of the the parcels were released. So now uh, looking at the assessment findings, Purpose one was to protect the open characteristics of the CPZ and all the parcels had a medium or high rating against this purpose. There is built development along the Dunmo Road and to the east of Elsinham, which meant that parcels one to five and nine to ten were less open than those parcels to the east of the airport. Um, Purpose two was to restrict the spread of development from the airport. Um, So what this purpose does is it compares the role of the CPZ with the strength of other boundaries like uh, motorways, railway lines that are capable in themselves of preventing the spread of development. So again, all the parcels had a high or medium rating against that purpose. But for the parcels to the east of the airport, where there's no strong boundary features which could prevent the spread of development, the parcels all performed um, highly against the purpose. Whereas to the north and south, there are strong barriers because you've got the M11 to the west and the the new A120, which do have the potential to prevent outwards um, development. Um, But conversely, the downgrading of the Dunmo Road um, following the construction of the new A120 has provided... Um, as Councillor Cheatham said, has provided opportunities for development to occur across that road, um, both north and south. Um, So the CPZ in that area becomes more important in playing a role in preventing further development. Purpose three was to protect the rural character of the countryside, including the settlements within it. Um, This was more of a qualitative judgment about the relative ruralness of the countryside and how the characteristics of each parcel compared to the key landscape characteristics that are listed in the the, the council's um, landscape character assessments. Again, all the parcels had a higher medium rating, but the parcels to the east of the airport generally performed better because the countryside there is slightly more intact. There's less intrusion from urbanizing development. The fourth purpose was to prevent changes to the rural settlement pattern by restricting coalescence. Um, So that's coalescence between individual settlements. And parcels 2 to 5 in the south, those parcels along the Dunmo Road, although they generally performed less well against purpose 1 to 3, here um, they play an essential role in preventing coalescence along that road. So, for instance, between Takeley and Takeley Street. Conversely, the parcels to the east of the airport, like Bambus Green, Plegdon Green, which rated more highly in terms of rural character, didn't contribute to this purpose because the settlement pattern is much more dispersed and they're further from the airport. So, the ratings... We then took the ratings for the individual CPZ purposes and brought them together in an overall judgment on the harm to the CPZ if those parcels were released. It's important to understand that this isn't a simple matter of adding up the scores. Um, If a parcel makes a strong contribution to any one purpose, it would still represent a high level of harm if it was removed from the CPZ. And there were no parcels that were judged to have a low low level of harm, which is shown in um, the map we've got here. Um, As a result of this exercise, um, LUC wouldn't recommend the removal in totality of any parcel from the CPZ. um, And the studies basically demonstrated that the CPZ is performing well against the purposes we defined for it It continues to help to maintain the openness of the countryside. It protects the rural countryside around the airport. It restricts development from the airport. And for some parcels, particularly to the south of the airport, the CPZ plays an essential role in protecting the separate identity of individual settlements. So the CPZ, in summary, is helping to maintain Sir Graham Eyre's vision of the airport in the countryside. And unless other planning considerations suggest otherwise, we'd recommend that it's carried forward to the new local plan. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much indeed, and I'm sure the whole Council will be reassured by that advice that we maintain our CPZ like uh, we retained our green belt. Comments? Councillor Dean.
1: I I listened to what uh, Councillor Cheatham had to say, and, and also Dr Mott, and, and certainly before I, I came here having looked at these maps and recently driven along uh, Stansted Road Elston realised that the council was already giving planning permission or had given planning permission within the CP's Z so I, and I've heard from Councillor Cheaton that the same has been done in takeley so I'm, I'm, I am a bit puzzled in that we had a couple of meetings back, we had um, a report on the Metropolitan Green Belt and there are similarities between this and and, and the MGB and we we agreed or we, we supported the idea of modifying the MGB <coughs> at um, Elms Farm in Stansted because planning permission had been given there but it had been given there for a particular reason in other words planning permission was given because it was felt that the community benefits outweighed the um, benefits of maintaining the land in the MGB. Uh, My my question, really looking backwards, is when these applications have come forward within the CPZ in the past, have there been exceptional circumstances of that type or was it just, well, we've got to find somewhere for houses so we'll stick them there in, in the CPZ? Um, in which case, what's the point of the CPZ? So that's where I'm coming from and I'm glad that Mr Brown is going to uh, put me right.
0: Mr Brown didn't think he was going to have a speaking part tonight, but it's fortuitous he's in the room, so Not thank you. on this
8: bit, anyway. So. Um, no, I think when we made the judgments regarding the planning applications um, that were in the CPZ, and that exactly is what's happened, We still need to ensure that by allowing development in those CPZs that we weren't actually... Bearing in mind we hadn't reviewed the CPZ. We were in a position where the CPZ hadn't been reviewed when we were dealing with those applications. We're still in that position Well, it has been reviewed, but we haven't taken through the recommendations. So we had to consider the development in line with how the CPZ is performing. We hadn't done the study in terms of how the CPZ had been performing and also making decisions were based upon would that prejudice what the CPZ is doing and you know, in terms of the proven of the development it still achieved the airport remaining, being an airport in the countryside, so it wasn't actually pre- preventing us from allowing development in the CPZ because of the age of the local plan that's one of those particular matters that had moved because of age because we hadn't reviewed it that's the only issue that we're at
0: and, and in addition of course, um, one if not more uh, went on appeal and um, so others made came to a similar conclusion
8: I think there was one on appeal, yeah. I'm just trying to think all the way through. Yeah, there was a five-year land supply issue, but there'd be, yeah, but I think there was one on appeal, but the majority of them were allowed in the context of... Consum- I, I, I,
1: just, I just, you know, <coughs> I find this a bit odd that because we haven't reviewed something, it becomes less significant, less important. Um, uh, so, so, maybe somebody can comment this, on so that.
8: We're not saying the CPZ is less important, it's that the boundaries were not so, you know, it wasn't, it, it, it's a matter that the, the boundaries had not been reviewed. Yes. Happen. And then that's, that's the issue.
1: But the, but the MGB hasn't been reviewed until the last few months, and we've not been willy-nilly giving planning permission in the, in the MGB, as far as I'm aware. I think the so green, I'm
8: yeah, not demeaning the CPZ, the green has a, has a higher level. I realise, no, I realise that, that. That's why.
1: Yes. I mean, can, can I? I've got one more point yep. I'd like to raise because it <coughs> it, re, it relate. We talked about parcel ten, not yes, ten. Parcel nine, which covers Ty Green, which is also part of Elston parish um, I mean the question that arises for me is is the gaunt's end box if I can call it that you know where we've got the permission yet not implemented for the trial sales and the the, the um, jam, former jam factory and everything that's been going on there I mean is there not a is there not an argument for as we're doing probably going to do with Elm's farm and the green belt to take that out to say doesn't it undermine the CPZ if we've got major developments taking place within it and, and is it not cleaner to take it out than, than
0: so, so in this case you're talking about uh, areas that have been developed <coughs> um, and shouldn't
1: we be putting a ring around that I mean I know it would be an island within the, the, the overall CPZ which might be a bit odd rather it's not, it's not as though it's, it's on the edge of Parcel nine, but of course there's the next one at, at, at Elsinore Hall next to it, so it's not as though it's right on the edge. But so I'm, I'm just just testing the the, the arguments, Mr. Brown.
8: It, it's one of those. Yes, I think it needs to be reflected. It needs to be considered because, ironically, that a lot of the tri-sales development is related to the airport. So therefore, you know, but then that is something that needs to be. It, it, the impact of it, and you may not have been aware of that in terms of the, because it's, it's in the report, and it's, and it's one of those ones that it has been, it has been implemented in terms of it started, um, and it will come across very very quickly in terms of what's going to happen. So I, I think that's possibly something that needs to be considered in 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 terms of the round, in terms of the impact of it.
0: Okay, well, we've picked that up in the minutes. That's something that needs to be reviewed, as indeed the points that were made earlier by Dr Mott and the two councillors in terms of the definition. So both of those will be taken into account. Councillor Barker and then Councillor Loughlin.
7: Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, I welcome the recommendations in this report, and I think we've heard very sensible comments from the two speakers. The question I would ask, we commissioned the green belt review and we commissioned this review as evidence for our local plan. Is there a reason we cannot adopt them earlier than the adoption of the local plan?
4: Mr Harper. Mr. I'll, 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 take, I'll take that Chairman. Mr um, Fox. Yes, yes there, there is a reason um, whilst um, perhaps from a lay perspective, um, there might be the view saying, well, well, why not? We've got this evidence. What we have to do is to look at the outcome of both these reviews in the context of all the other evidence that we've got in front of us and take a decision in the round about uh, about whether we uh, continue with the existing Greenbelt and Countryside Protection Zone policies. There may be other reasons we're unaware of at this stage which might alter things um, when we get to the draft plan stage, Chair. So so it's basically about taking a decision in the round. Councillor Lachlan.
6: Thank you, Chairman. Um, Going back to the um, applications that were granted, uh, one on appeal, I don't believe the only reason for uh, the appeal was uh, policy S8 which is the countryside protection zone. There must have been other policies that they failed on uh, because I don't believe the planning committee would have just used the CPZ or S8 as a reason to refuse an application. So I think it's a bit misleading, uh, misleading there.
5: Mr Brown.
8: Well, you're right. I think the S8 wasn't the only reason we would have refused applications. And because of that, we, you know... There were our applications, so nothing just stands or falls on S8, or, or it could do, but not the major developments that we've been considering now.
6: Well, that's my point. I think. Yeah.
8: Thank
0: okay. You. Well, I guess that's a case that's passed. So, uh, are there any other points here? Uh, just to remind. Uh, the working group that the recommendation is that we note the published report after the Countryside Protection Zone study May 2016 and its adoption That's into the, the local committee plan committee evidence base. base. We've had uh, two particular comments that will need to be considered in greater detail. Um, those in, those in favour of um, the adoption into the local plan? Those against? Those abstaining? So, one abstention. Um, okay. Thank you very
1: much indeed. Can we, can we have an, an action that brings it back? I mean, because this is, we're not really signing anything off. I'm, you know, I'm trying to,
0: well, it's, it's try to have much a system act- so we,
1: we, know, we, don't, we don't miss it. Or no,
0: it absolutely. Um, yes. And uh, that will be in the minutes, but it will also be yeah. in, the, in the project plan. Um, yeah, but, yeah. of course, it has I to mean, come... I mean, we've got a list of actions now. so Yeah, of course it down. has to come back because yeah. uh, it's all part of the, of the local plan. So um, it will come back... Um, as will everything else. Thank you very much indeed, Mrs. Davis. We are grateful for uh, the work you have done and uh, we (coughs) are delighted with your recommendation, so thank you. Um, Moving on to um, Item 5, Development Management uh, Policies. I believe uh, Mr.
4: Fox is doing this. that is correct, Chairman. Yes, this is a a self-explanatory report Uh, we did say at previous planning policy working group meetings that we would bring uh, draft proposed development management policies back to you. These are based to a great extent on the policies proposed in the withdrawn local plan, the inspectors questions and comments on the withdrawn plan, government policies and legislation, and subsequent meetings we've had internally. I would stress that um, this is not by any means the final opportunity to comment, and and Mr Brown, I think, will talk about a a workshop proposed. Um, Essentially, at this stage, Chairman, it's to draw your attention to what we we have drafted at officer level and to try and uh, seek comments from the group. Thank you. Did you want to comment at this stage, Mr Brown?
8: Yes, first of all, just to clarify that, okay, there's a lot of work to be done on the local plan, and the development management policies were relatively found sound as a result of the withdrawal local plan and quite often the development management policies are working well in terms of how we're working in terms of development management, both in terms of determining applications and defending those applications on appeal. And we're more or less 95% there in terms of what we have, but we need to be careful in terms of what we do. Um, we also need, there were suggest, some suggested changes to those, condition, um, to those policies taken on board the inspector's um, views. Secondly, we have to update some of those policies because some legislation has changed, like the Building Control has picked up a lot of the, stuff that, some of the stuff that we don't actually need some of those policies for. The MPPG, the National Policy Planning Guidance, which is a living document, um, has meant that quite often we don't need some of these policies anymore. The MPPG actually does them. And to actually duplicate, while duplication is not necessary, by duplicating it, if the MPPG continues being a living document which it will be we could be in a position where if we replicate some of those policies it could could question a lifetime of some of those some of those policies and there may be some gaps in terms of those new policies in terms of there may be some other suggestions that members have that we can can we look at there is a workshop that's now set up and the the reason why the invite hasn't gone out is because of whatever paperwork that we will send out with that particular invite Um, and Obviously it is the working party need needs to be heard. Now it is, it is the planning committee that is invited along with the working party, along with any other member that's interested. So it's, it's going to be all councillors that are going to be invited to that workshop, which is now set up for the afternoon of the 22nd of June in the, in the council chamber. So that invite will go out hopefully tomorrow in terms of in, inviting everyone to those. We don't need to be too hecked up on the, the commas and the, in terms of where the policy sits, but that is, it, is a, it is a job that we need to go through but I don't think there is a massive job in terms of change in the wording of the conditions in terms of it. It's part of a piece of work that's almost bagged as a result of this as, as, as result to the withdrawn local plan. I think that's sort of just the headlines at this moment.
0: Thank you. Councillor Dean.
1: As you, know, <coughs> excuse me. as you know, Chairman, I made quite a, a, a bit about this at the, um, the April meeting of the working group because I was envisaging that uh, we were going to have a, a tome of documents as thick as my yellow file and I would need a second one um, because we were taking half of the, as I understood it, about half of the, the development management policies and, and deciding whether or not we liked them or, and uh, obviously giving the opportunity to, to suggest changes. Now the, the paper that we've got here is a bit of a kind of a hybrid um, synopsis of some policies, some proposed new ones, uh, but without the, and, but the where, where it's proposing amendments we haven't got the original document and so it's a bit difficult to make a lot of sense of it um, and my, my discussion with Roger Harbour this afternoon suggests that this is kind of I don't know, um, an an initial hint as to what we need to get our head around rather than asking us to get our head around it because what I would like to do and I think I said this in April is be able to sit down knowing what we're talking about in its totality with members of the planning committee and and, let's go through them one by one let's hear from members of the planning committee whether they feel that the policies work whether they propose changes are picking up things that you know you've come across through experience and, and members of the working group themselves hopefully have got some thoughts so so it's it's really a process issue um and I, and I would like mr Harbour just to confirm that i've now got it right that although this is kind of some of the uh, early stuff we've got to have a, we've got to have a, another bite at this before a draft plan is produced with Um, words that we've never seen before or some of us have never seen before Mr Harper
5: Yes I'm I'm understanding uh, that what members think that they need is a full schedule of development management policies um, which will include those policies which are in the existing adopted plan which are not proposed to be changed in any way those policies which are proposed to be changed in some way and it to be clear what's being proposed to be deleted and what's being proposed to be added to those existing policies and policies which are completely new policies as well um, so that you've got the comprehensive set. Of course you won't see the full context until um, the submission draft local plan is is drawn together because that's when you'll see the site allocation policies as well as the, the general development management policies. Um, So if I understood what members' request is, then we can respond to that request.
0: Uh, I'll answer on behalf of Councillor Dean that clearly we, we won't have the full picture until we've got the site allocations, but what we don't want is to have two versions of Councillor Dean's yellow folder uh, to consider at short notice um, in a a restricted time. So I think we take note of uh, Councillor Dean's point that uh, we do need to digest as much as we can, um, as you've you've indicated, um, at, at at an appropriate time, uh, w- w- with sufficient time to review, uh, we welcome the workshop. I think that's, that's, that's a good first step. But obviously, this has then got to come back and be put into con- the context that you've just described.
8: Can I just make one suggestion that we, that we take the changes from the withdrawn local plan, because that 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 has that was adopted by the council for development management purposes, rather than take it. From the adopted local plan, because there has been significant changes, because simply because of time. So, if we take it from the withdrawn local plan, that will I thoroughly accept what, what Councillor Dean said, and I think that's possibly the best way of starting. Start is where we start from, as opposed to how we do it. Uh,
0: and that, much of that is is in the report at um, item five. Thinking,
8: sort of, picking up the things for where that link goes to, so it's yeah. actually putting those in as a document, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah. So, is it, did you want to come back, Councillor Dean, or are you content with that approach?
1: Yeah, the, the approach is fine. I've, I've just got one or two. I've got quite a few th- scribbles on here, but I'm not going to raise them all tonight because we've clearly got time to deal with them. But um, if I just, if I might just pick out one of them, which is um, referring to pute- under potential new policies, which start on page 80, um, which is about bungalows. <clears throat> um, it says development on sites of 12, 10 dwellings or more will require 5% of the total number to be bungalows. My, my question is, you know, what's magic about 5%, and what, what's what's the basis for 5% if there is one? And, and I've got another question. Perhaps while you, somebody's dealing with it, I'll find my other one because there's the other one about the percentage of um, affordable houses somewhere that I. Would like to query at this stage.
0: Who would like to deal with the uh, 5% bungalows?
4: I will ha- I'll have the first stab, Chairman. Um, my understanding of this is: is it simply um, a reflection of the Asian population that we've got in the district um, and the need to recognise that that bungalows are in high demand? And we needed to explicitly reference that. Um, as to the actual percentage figure, I'm afraid I'm, I don't know where where that came from,
8: Chairman. Being honest with you. Mm-hmm.
1: Be inter- be interested to know in due course. If
8: it, I think it, it may be linked somewhere along the lines of housing strategy. So I yeah. think that, that's where that goes. And then I think you may ask where that's come back. It goes all. There is evidence. It's, it's all about, it's all about it's evidence le- <laughs> and evidence yeah, and yeah, evidence. it's, it's, it's evidence, yeah. but it's from the housing strategy part of the evidence. Mm-hmm.
1: Can, May may I just go on to page 79, which is the H-07 regarding affordable housing. Um, And it says, for for, for developments of 15 dwellings or more, or sites of over half a hectare, then then we require 40%. That's probably what's been the case for a long time, I can't remember. Then we say 11 to 14, it's only 20%. Um, and I again, I don't, I don't, I can't understand the rationale for that, um, <coughs> and, and 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 it talks here about not being able to circumvent it by splitting sites up and things like that, but but it just strikes me as a non-planning committee member that if somebody has a, a piece of land they want to develop, it seems to me that if they build fewer, bigger houses and they get away with um, not having to provide any affordable housing and how do we control that or or avoid that being a way of um, circumventing the provision of affordable housing?
0: I'll ask Mr Brown to correspond. I I believe most of this is is the law actually because we went through this at the time, but um, um, Mr Brown.
8: Obviously, that's one policy out of context because obviously there is other policies in the local plan which is another thing for the discussion because this is what it happens because there is a housing density policy as well in terms of how we consider whether housing density so if you've got a, a number of applications whereby it tends to be high, t- high density development and, and then suddenly someone wants to put five houses on which is very low density you know, it's all about density issues and so therefore now the old PPG, PPS3 for a very short period of time, had a minimum density on all development, which is no longer there. And the question is whether or not we need to be... And there's part of policy HO1 is a discussion around density issues. So it needs to be considered on the round. So you're quite right, because some people do change, reduce the amount of houses on the site simply by... And because of that, they don't trigger affordable housing contributions. But then there's other tests that we may or may not bring in in terms of questionings, in terms of minimum densities on proposals and stuff, so it has to be linked to the rest of the local plan.
0: (coughs) Councillor Loughlin.
6: Sorry, I was moving on, is that okay? Yeah. Um, On page 80, um, policy HO11, um, which is the sites for gypsies, travellers and travelling show people, I mean, this always causes quite a lot of emotion when this comes up and uh, we've seen it here Um, and it's retaining with no change it says although the definition regarding gypsy and travellers have changed this does not affect the proposed policy but people often question what the definition of gypsy and travellers is so would it for the benefit of people that may be listening on the um, recording what that actually is because it would be good to get that clear Uh, when planning applications come forward, or even in the local plan, that people actually know what that definition is?
4: Through you, Chairman. I I can't remember verbatim what the the definition is. It's set out uh, in in various places. I think the the key place for people to look at now is in the Housing and Planning Bill, where, where the new definition is set out, and, and the changes to the definition are around how nomadic the way of life is for the for the gypsy or, or traveller. But as I said, Chairman, I can't, I haven't got it in front of me, but it is set out in the in the Housing and Planning Bill.
6: Sorry, may I just come back? So you are saying that anybody who wants to know does not come to this council for an answer; they go to um, the Housing and Planning Bill.
4: No, no, three, Chairman, I'm not saying that at all. With my cut- no, no, my colleagues, and i will be more than happy to answer any queries anyone's got about that definition. It's just I'm simply saying that I haven't got it in front of me now, so I can't, I can't literally tell you.
1: Councillor Could I turn to pages 88 and 89? I'll start with 89. <coughs> 89. Um, new policy, protecting the setting of conservation areas. And I wrote in brackets what like Lower Street Stansted. And, of course, we've had um, plenty of... Uh, Issues down there recently it then says new policy within or adjacent to a conservation area development will only be permitted where it is not detrimental to the character appearance or setting of the conservation area and does not adversely affect listed buildings well the fact that this singles out listed buildings and yet most buildings within the conservation area aren't listed buildings I, I, I'm a bit puzzled by that Um, that emphasis on listed buildings?
0: Do you want to answer that one? I'm a
8: bit puzzled in return because I think that's pretty standard stuff in in terms of impact on conservation areas and listed buildings and I think if you were in a position where you were refusing something on the basis of that policy, you would have to identify what that harm is and that harm might be generally on the set in the conservation area, it may be on the harm on the, on the list of buildings. So that list that lists part of what you're refusing it for on the basis of that policy. So that, And that has to cover conservation area, settings in the conservation area, list of buildings within the conservation area, it has to cover the whole raft. So that's quite standard, but again, that, that gets down to when we get down to nitty gritty I I think
1: the wording might need to be looked at but I won't pursue it now but while I'm on that subject it it isn't yet mentioned in here and it wasn't in the minutes of the last meeting my request that we have a a policy on windows in conservation (laughs) areas Um, ca- can that please be captured somewhere so we'll certainly capture it Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I can pursue it Okay, <laughs> Councillor Barker
0: Thank and you. Councillor Parry
7: um, can I just check I assume it's the case on page 85 we talk about use of water resources and we're trying to minimise water um, you can put in all the shower heads you like and all the small baths and somebody will go and rip it out if they want a better water supply can I just clarify that the installation of water meters is compulsory under building regs these days? Because this doesn't make any... It says that we're not very good here, and we haven't got very many meters in, but it's not saying we've got to put water meters in new properties.
8: I don't think it says we're not very good here, it says we've got a bit of a problem with water. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you are quite right, under the building regulations, um, you know, you could put it all in and you could have all the necessary building regs complied, and then stuff like, it could all be ripped out, unfortunately. I can't can't say for sure whether or not um, uh, water meters are required under the building regulations. I can't say that on that behalf. But, again, that is something I can come back to you and clarify that issue. If it's not, could it possibly be added to this policy? The policy has to be very... very, It can't move away from the building regulations. All all it is actually doing is saying we want a... It's a gold, silver, bronze... um, Well, it's gold and silver in terms of the water usage. We need to have evidence that we want to go to the gold standard of water usage in houses, which therefore needs a policy, which then needs a planning development management to actually put a condition on, which then triggers the building control to actually say, well, you need to do it under these particular regs. So it's a black and white issue. We either do this or we don't. This policy does that. Um, We do have the evidence behind to actually say we we have a reason why we need to do this. But all this can do is trigger the building regulations. It cannot add anything else to the building regulations because that's what the deregulation bill did. It actually brought in, rather than... The similar parallel with this is the lifetime homes issue. We were very leading the role in terms of lifetime homes. We set up a standard of lifetime homes which was more or less what the national acceptance of lifetime homes. That is now gone, but it is captured within the building regulations and, again, we need a policy. So it's very similar to that. The water usage is, is something that's new. So... The answer to your question, unfortunately, is we can't. It can only make sure that that particular gold standard, the building regulations, is triggered.
0: Councillor Parry. Um,
2: Policy EN2 EN2 on page 83. Um, Air quality, it says that development will be permitted um, as long as users aren't involved on extended long-term basis to poor air quality etc but it doesn't actually state what the policy is if the air quality is poor without it doesn't that just leave a kind of loophole for developers to slip through if there's going to be poor air quality if you don't have a set policy for what to do under adverse conditions if you see what I mean
8: I think that's the it's more of a positive condition we will allow it if it doesn't affect air quality as opposed to we will refuse it if it does so it's it's more the the tone of it i think it does the same thing if it if it doesn't have a if it doesn't cause an issue regarding air quality that policy would infer that we would refuse planning permission but it's just it's just the tone of it i think um,
2: and there's no indication of actual numbers, levels, what defines poor air quality? That, that's not part of the policy, that, so that's quite a weak statement. If air quality is poor, who decides that?
5: The relevant standards are set out in the national air quality um, st- standards, so it, it, it's nationally determined what the relevant thresholds are.
2: And who, who measures it does the council measure it where if a development's proposed? Does the developer do it because there are ways to move the air quality reading machine things about? And so, so would, it, would it be done by the council?
5: Yes, uh, we have an, I'm sure you're aware uh, across the air quality management area we have a network of um, passive diffusion tubes, and uh, there is um, an automatic air quality management station as well and the diffusion tubes are calibrated against the readings in the automatic station
0: Councillor Mills Mills. (coughs) thank you chairman Um, is it my understanding that some of these DM policies may
9: require um, some sort of public consultation if they're going to be adopted
5: well, yes, I of mean, the are statutory, statutory requirements about consultation on the consultation draft local plan. So, therefore, has enough time been allowed for this to get this information into the local plan programme? Well, yes, absolutely. Okay, fine, thank you. Councillor Parry.
2: Regarding Councillor Mill's point, um, these policies were consulted on, I believe, at, in the last plan and the results of the consultation have not been included in any way. Can you tell me how any comments received will be reflected?
5: Well, there were proposals in the last submission draft local plan, and they were examined by uh, um, the, um, the inspector who carried out the public examination, he had before him all the representations which had been received on that consultation draft document, um, so his comments take into account the representations which were received at that point, uh, but we, we still need to republish um, policies uh, and there will be a further opportunity for people to comment and those comments will again be before the inspector at the next public examination. Mm-hmm.
1: Councillor DEAN. I am back to um, Affordable Housing, H08, page 79 and page 80. In the um, supporting text at the top of page 80, it said it is important to establish that a need exists and then to make make sure that the accommodation is made available to those people who have got a genuine need for housing in the locality. We, we had a, a discussion, um, I think it was this week, wasn't it, at the housing board about you know, about whether provision, whether whether parishes are taken in as isolated islands for for this, or whether we're talking about need across a whole district. And I, I I just like some clarity on what what is meant by locality um, and and the the area where need is established. If one is giving permission for exception sites outside development limits. Yeah, Chairman, I, I, I can pick that one up.
4: No. Um, yeah, there's two, there's two elements. There's two elements to this. Um, hope, hope people can hear me. Um, the first bit is, is clearly the strategic housing market assessment establishes a general level of affordable housing need across Uttoxeter District Council as a whole, and therefore we have general development management policies looking to obtain a proportion of affordable housing um, across the piece as it were Uh, the more localised bit is where there's a specific identified um, need, usually the parish area, then that is then fed into usually rural exception sites where they could be uh, 100% affordable uh, proportion to be determined depending on the local circumstances and what the local established need is. So, so if you like it, 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 narrows, it narrows the focus right down, um, if, if, if that's clear. Mm-hmm.
0: Councillor Perry.
2: Um, the MPPF requires that local plans should contain a clear strategy for enhancing the natural built and historic environment. We've got policies here for protecting it, um, but no clear policy on um, enhancing it, which is apparently required.
4: Through through you, Chairman. Yeah, the the final draft plan, as I said, these are the... Draft policies that we're suggesting amendments to, but when the draft plan actually comes before yourselves and uh, indeed the, the council as a whole, that I can assure you that there will be policies for enhancement as well as protection of the natural environment. Well, thank you. Can I just uh, have
2: one more, please? Yeah,
4: last Sorry, one. Yeah.
2: the new policy, um, HE3, of protecting the setting of conservation areas. Um, it talks about. Um, uh, development round adjacent to conservation areas, but what about uh, protecting conservation areas um, from development that's not adjacent to them but maybe all the traffic from it would have to go through the conservation area
4: yeah that's a, that's a good point chairman we can take that one up
0: good thank you very much. Uh, the recommendation on page seventy three to comment as we've done on the draft policies, so they've all been summarised, and obviously go forward as as part of our consideration of our development management policies, without repeating the earlier discussion raised by Councillor Dean, um, (laughs) If you're all comfortable with the process on this, please show. Those not unanimous, thank you. We now move uh, on to item 6. I abstained. Sorry, with one abstention, I apologise. Um, uh, um, item six, the five year housing land supply verbal report.
4: Thank you, Chairman. Um, the, we're having technical issues, as the, as the saying goes. Um, I have a short PowerPoint presentation that I'd like to run through. Um, we've just seen if it's loading up now. If not, um, I can summarise and make sure it's circulated, Chairman. But we'll see if you can just bear with us for. Here we are. Bang on cue. Thanks very much. So I see it.
8: Do you want to do the
4: Okay, thank thank you. Um, five year housing land supply. This is Um, I'm looking at Councillor Mills because I know he's talked to colleagues about this. This is not straightforward stuff, Chairman. Uh, What I'm going to try and do this evening is give you a general overview about what it's about and why it's important without getting too much into any of the detailed technical calculations because they are, I can assure you, uh, members quite complicated. I have to be reminded by Sarah Nicholas, my colleague, Puts together the um, five-year housing land supply figures, and uh, not not denigrating myself, but I have to go back to Sarah quite often and say, "Well, actually, can you explain to me how you calculate this again?" So, so it is, you know, it is complicated stuff. So I'm going to try and keep it high-level and simple, Chairman. Um, now I don't know whether Great. Um, great. That's right. I hope you can all read read that at the back. Um, what it summarises is uh, the National Planning Policy Framework uh, in terms of what a five year housing land supply is and the critical uh, elements of paragraph 47 uh, are set out in red we have to identify and update annually a supply of deliverable sites sufficient to provide five years worth of housing against our housing requirements with an additional buffer and I'll get onto that in a minute Chairman, there's two buffers uh, of 5% or 20% and this depends upon whether uh, in the jargon there has been historic under delivery of housing. So in plain English what that means is if uh, a local authority hasn't historically delivered its housing numbers, there's, a, there's a, essentially um, a penalty clause goes in of 20% to say you've got to provide more to catch up. I hope everyone was with me, with me so far. Um, so it's 5% for everybody there has to be this buffer in, but 20% if you've under delivered historically. So that's the first thing, key points, and I'll get back to that later. Um, in terms of what are the ramifications and implications of not having a five year supply, so you, you might say, well, so what? Um, well, the answer to so what is that if uh, a local authority hasn't got a five year supply, the Critical paragraph 49 of the MPPF says relevant policies for the supply of housing should not be considered up to date if the local planning authority cannot demonstrate a five-year supply of deliverable housing sites. So what that importantly means is a council could well have a a recently adopted local plan in place with lots of housing policies saying all sorts of really good wonderful things uh, but if it can't demonstrate a five-year supply those uh, policies should not be considered up to date. So, in other words, for example, uh, it may, and I would stress may, because it depends on all the other factors in a planning application, mean that, for example, development outside a settlement envelope um, was allowed despite a policy operating a presumption against. So, paragraph 49 is critical, so it's effectively saying um, you can almost put to one side your adopted housing policies if you haven't got a five-year housing land. Supply, so that's why again, it's a really important reason to, to have one. Um, there's a caveat on there as well, uh, essentially to say that um, even if you have a five-year supply, there's still a presumption in favour of sustainable development. Okay, I, I don't know whether you can see this slide. I'll go through the numbers. The base is quite small. You probably some of you back probably can't see this. Um, what this slide is saying is what our historic annual completion rate was since 2011. That's going back to the start date of the plan. Um, And that reveals that we uh, built 2,468 homes in those five years. The second table underneath that says what our estimated completions are for the next five years. And that figure comes out at 3,345. And I'm sure uh, if we get into detailed questions, Sarah will help explain how we estimate what this completion rate is for five years, because it's quite a, a technical exercise. Right, moving on, now th- this, this is where it, it, it does get um, tricky and technical and difficult. I'll try and explain, <laughs> and Councillor Mills is he's laughing, because I, I think you've, been, you've had your hand, hand held through this. Um, the way we calculate the five-year land supply is we have what we call an annual target, and that's our objectively assessed need annual, which in our case is 568 homes. What happens then is uh, to get our five-year target, it's a simple multiplication of that figure by five, so everyone with it so far. We've got an annual target. Um, we, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to patronise people. I'm just just trying to take it through as simply as we can. Uh, you multiply it by five, and that gives you an initial five-year figure. In our case, 2,840. What this is where it does start getting complicated. We have to do on top of that is put into that figure. Sorry, any historic shortfall Going back, so you have to look backwards as well. And our shortfall between 2011 and 2015 is 372. So one adds that to the target, so that brings us to a total of a target plus a shortfall of 3,212. This is again over the five years. Then one has to insert this 5% buffer, which I talked about earlier. So, irrespective of how well you've been doing. that 5% buffer goes in, in our case 161, and that gives us an overall target in the five years of 3,373 dwellings. Now, uh, Sarah has calculated with with colleagues, our supply, that's the estimated completions, is 3,345, which is very, very close to that 3,373 figure. So to all intents and purposes, when uh, you, d- demand, you, you divide um, supply by de- um, supply, the target by the supply, we have pretty much got five years. Um, yeah, give will take a few dwellings. In fact, the deficit we've got is, tw- is merely 28 dwellings. So if you look at the overall scale of figures involved, the target of 3,373, to be down by 28 over five years is, isn't anything, in my view, um, to worry significantly bad, so I'll just make that point first. Um, uh, Again this is just going back to our record of delivery because this this is where uh, a council gets punished with this 20% additional buffer if it has significantly under-delivered historically between 2005 to 2015 we only under-delivered by 28 dwellings over that five-year period so that means in statistical terms sorry, 10-year period, sorry Sarah, um, that we met... T- yes, yeah, sorry, yes, yeah, it's, it's a fault in the slide, isn't it? Sorry, you're absolutely right, though. We, we, uh, 99 percent of its target was met. Um, rolling it that forward, that 10-year period forward between 2006 to 2016... Um, we met 95% of our target, so in terms of this argument about significant under-delivery, and that's subjective Chairman, it depends on the individual decision maker our view, and it's been withheld, upheld on appeal, is that we have not historically under-delivered, so we can operate at the lesser 5% buffer, rather than the more um, penalising 20% buffer, so I, I can come back and, and You know, clarify all this again if people want. Um, I think so, simply to conclude, the headline, Chairman, is in our opinion, with a 5% buffer, we've got five years housing land supply. As I rattled through that, some of it's quite complicated and technical, but Sarah and I, I'm sure, will pick up any questions, Chairman. Thank you.
0: No, well, thank you very much indeed, and I'm sure the group and the Council are reassured by the conclusion. Um, Councillor Perry?
2: Um, It's often been the case at planning committee meetings that I've been told, or everyone has been told, that that's not a defence against giving a a planning application because developers, do they have to go with the annual figure or can they recalculate it at any time
0: Um, and and get
2: a slightly different figure, which means that they've then said, no, you haven't got a five-year land supply, so therefore the presumption is we can build.
4: That's that's exactly what happens and that's what happens at uh, a a number of appeals and public inquiries uh, up and down the country. That that is the first line of attack that developers come in with. And so whilst I'm saying I'm I'm content at the moment that we we have got a five-year supply, um, being honest around this table, Chairman, I'd be more content if we had a five-year supply plus a little bit of headroom so that we can you know, firmly rebut um, speculative applications. Having said that, we, all, all our recent appeal decisions uh, where we've been challenged on this basis, we, we've essentially won. So um, inspectors have been supporting um, our calculations uh, in recent appeals. Thank
0: you. <laughs> you. Councillor Loughlin?
6: Thank you. Well, I'm very glad that you told everybody about that. That often comes up at planning meetings, five-year land supplies, you know. But I just wondered if we could have a copy of, of that. Uh, that would be very helpful.
4: Yeah, I'm sure Thank that you. can be arranged. Sorry, sorry yes, Chairman. And there's something else I wanted to add as well is that I'm hoping with Nigel to put a similar sort of presentation to the planning committee at one of their meetings coming up as well. So so this is this, this, like, a bit of a dress rehearsal, but we'll certainly circulate the presentation.
0: So this is, this is to note, so, uh, but before we move on to item seven, um, employment land review, another verbal report, I just wanted to um, update uh, this committee uh, because I was only at a meeting this morning. Uh, it was then um, presented to the County Council, but Essex County Council um, uh, are putting, well, have a housing growth strategy for Essex. And if I just give you the five work streams... The first one is public land utilisation and partnership packaging, and the point here is to increase the pace and scale of housing development on surplus land in public ownership. Um, and I think uh, we all understand that point. And Essex obviously can play a part. I should, I should override all of these points: is that Essex absolutely understand the sovereignty of planning authorities? This is not about. Uh, intervening in our work, this is about helping our work and I, I, which is why I found the whole presentation particularly uh, um, helpful. The second um, requirement is independent living for people who need support Provide sufficient suitable accommodation to allow older people and adults with disabilities to live independently in their own home and enjoy a better quality of life and this clearly has primarily the advantage of these individuals but also So at the moment, um, they could well be in homes and it's neither good for them or for anybody else. The third um, objective is a strategic place shaping for economic growth and regeneration. Support the delivery of major strategic housing developments to enable economic growth and regeneration within the county. Um, And much of this is around infrastructure, a point that we've... turned to so many times and uh, I, I, I detect a new mood at Essex now um, and, and many of our uh, proposals when they eventually come forward will be totally dependent on the infrastructure uh, and the other core facilities such as education not that health are uh, necessarily within the orbit of the uh, County Council but uh, so that's the third objective. The fourth objective is expertise coordination and fiscal support provide access to suitable expertise that will support gain access to funding streams and build strong financial cases for investment in housing. If, big if, don't make any assumptions from what I'm saying, uh, that we do go for a single settlement and we uh, we start to work with garden villages, um, then here is an opportunity, uh, working with Essex, to access uh, private funding, which could be very essential to the whole initiative. And just out of interest, the um, portfolio holder Uh, At Essex, Councillor John Spence, who is something of a financial expert, uh, is on the board of the Braintree Colchester Tendering uh, Garden Development. Um, And finally, and I think this is relevant to um, what we have been talking about, skills development for construction. Essex has a suitably skilled and saleable workforce to support the planned growth in housing. New communities are designed to support lifelong learning and independence. So, as well as general Um, workforce development, you know, supporting the construction industry to deliver what we are going to have to deliver. Um, So uh, I thought that was a very uh, helpful initiative. Uh, I'm very keen to work with Essex. I think we've got an awful lot more to gain uh, than to lose on that, and I just wanted to bring that to your attention, but much more to come. Councillor Loughlin.
6: Thank you. Uh, Well, that's excellent. Well, we do hear a lot about older people and independent living, what about younger people with uh, learning disabilities or mental health problems? We never seem to hear about housing uh, for them so that they can live independently, which I think the majority of them would want to do. So do you know anything about that, and, or is there
7: anything planned for that, please?
0: I'll well, certainly, certainly follow that up with – it. maybe Councillor Barker can answer that question.
7: Um, sure. Yes, I, mean, I, I will declare an interest in, as an Essex County Councillor. Um, Essex County Council is working on units for younger people. Um, there are lots of people with lots of different disabilities. Um, the Genesis uh, development opposite County Hall will house some people who need help and need specialist better living. Um, and certainly I'm aware of a number of projects across uh, the district over in Frinton and, and, and Chomsford. But everywhere is working on it. And there is a, um, I think Suzanne Wood here um, is working with the County Council to promote schemes within Uttlesford. Oh,
0: I'll. Um, yep. Yeah.
6: Could you keep us informed of that and give us updates so that we know about this and what's going on? Lovely well, what I'll
0: you. do is ask uh, Maggie to remind me to circulate the slides that were presented today to this group, and we will obviously have a session with the whole council. I'm going to invite uh, Councillor Spence to come and uh, uh, talk to us about that. But in the meantime, keep you informed. Okay, item seven: employment land review. Uh,
4: that, that's me, Chairman. Um, Excuse me, I will respond to Councillor Parry's early question in a second, but just to update members, um, (coughs) sorry, excuse me again, we have received the draft review uh, and the consultants are looking at a number of issues that we have raised with them during meetings with our economic development uh, people and ourselves. Um, Nothing particularly um, difficult or that can't be resolved Uh, but just say that the final report is due within about 10 days so we will be reporting it to the next regular meeting of PPWG Chairman Um, Going back to Councillor Parry's point, uh, yes the the previous employment strategy did reflect the dispersal strategy in the then proposed plan and yes it has been taken as a starting point but what I would stress is it will not necessarily follow the previous findings in terms of where the best employment sites are. That in turn will form part of the evidence base about what ultimate strategy we do come up with in the plan, if if I'm making sense. So the two sort of reinforce each other, but but so it's not not predetermined in, in any way to answer your question directly, Councillor.
0: Any other questions on that update? Okay, moving on to item 8, project planning, Mr Harborough.
5: Yes, thank you, Leader. Um, We have circulated tonight um, a new version of the the project plan, uh, which does include more detail compared to previous versions. This is still work in progress, I would like to to emphasise, and there is still scope to include some additional key milestone dates, for example, in respect to the preparation of the evidence base, Um, and for the officers' work in formulating policies and and allocations. Um, So we can certainly accommodate those sorts of uh, additional details. Uh, However, we we wouldn't want to include so much detail that the whole thing becomes unwieldy and therefore sort of defeats its purpose. I can say that uh, our new assistant director uh, for planning, Gordon Glenday, starts on Monday the 13th and no doubt he will wish to to review um, where we've got to with with project management. I can also say that we are finalising arrangements with an excellent prospect in respect of uh, Uh, Further resource for project management with a view to him starting on the 23rd of June. Um, That'll give us the resource that we need on a regular basis for an initial period and also provide us with additional capacity from mid August onwards. So we are building up our our project management capacity. Yes, the project board has now started meeting on a, on a regular basis, uh, chaired by the chief executive um, and uh, board of, of senior officers to review uh, where we are against the, 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 the project plan and to resolve any, any issues that might appear to be arising in respect of slippage to make sure that we don't incur that slippage or if we have slipped, how are we going to recover from it?
1: Councillor Dean. Yes, uh, thank you for for this. Um, I wanted to receive the A3 version, so I'll stick with my A4 version. Um, I mean, what I would like to see soon is is something which um, has a bit of information about what goes goes on in the coloured strips. I mean, what we what we have here at the moment is um, um, a calendar, really, of what meetings and what leads up to them. Um, which, obviously, is something that uh, members need to know, as to when meetings are taking place and how one slots into another. But but what it doesn't have, you know, particularly in the areas of um, evidence base and duty to cooperate, let's say the. The key milestones in there that um, that mean that the whole thing will come together by next year, and when the various key milestones, whatever they are, will 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 happen or are expected to happen. So it's it's light on so far. It's light on detail of work being done, particularly you know by officers, obviously. Um, <clears throat> so so that's my first point. There's one or two small things, like, I don't know what a PF briefing is, um, and... and uh, Portfolio holder. Oh, that's what it means. PF. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I'm, I get a bit worried when I see several meetings happening within two days of each other, and that happens in July, but it also, I think, happens sometime maybe that was it. I think I think there was a there's, a there's a period where we've got a policy planning working group. Then we've got a cabinet meeting, and then with, within another day we've got a council meeting. And that I mean that happened before on the on the old plan where it was kind of well you better agree this because tomorrow's lot want to agree it so that the following days lot can agree it and. It doesn't give any time for anybody to sit back and say, I want to think about this for two days before I go to the my my next meeting so i'm I am concerned at that approach to cramming um several meetings all um within two or three days <laughs> um, the I noticed in uh where is it what's this october? that something called, in red, a special meeting appeared that I've, I know nothing about. I particularly notice it because I've just, in this last few days, arranged to go away on the first of those two days because I thought this period is free, so, so what's this special meeting about on the 27th and 28th of, of October, I'd like to know what that's about. Um, and I think, I think those are my, really my, my main points. I'd like to see more information, but, but I'd like to understand what, that meet, what the meeting is, on or proposed meeting, on the 28th of October.
0: Okay, well, I'll ask uh, for a response to that.
5: Yes, yes Leader. Um, what this diagram does is demonstrate the critical path through the process. Um, and... If you want to ask for additional time uh, at a, in respect of any any stage of the work, then the feasibility of responding positively to that uh, will depend upon how it would impact on other mm. bits of work and uh, the extent to which other things, other parts of, of, the, of the process could be compressed. Um, and I would not really saying that there's a great deal of scope for such compression actually so um, potentially the implication is that you'll be extending the total time scale you'll be al- extending the total time scale
0: in answer to the particular point special meeting
5: oh, A special meeting that would, we would need a special meeting of the council on one of those two dates to um, sign, off the yeah, sign off the consultation document yeah. Does that
0: answer your question? We will try and work around your home. No, thing. And
1: I didn't hear the answer. What was the purpose? To sign
0: off the consultation document.
1: Oh, the consultation document. Right. Councillor Parry.
0: You are not on speaker. <coughs>
1: I'd written down here not good exclamation mark and I, I've only just remembered why I wrote it it was because talking about signing off the consultation can we not avoid a consultation which runs over Christmas and New Year I mean it's only one, two, three, four I'm not sure whether it's four or five weeks but you know two weeks are dead at that time of year and, and we had it we're going back to 2007, I think, when Councillor Barker and I were running around delivering leaflets over Christmas and New Year, and that's, why are we why are we doing that? And, and can we not either, either bring it forward or or, or extend it such that we can tell people nothing happened? You know, put it to bed for two weeks and come back to it in January. Or I don't know what the right approach is.
5: That has been taken into account um, in the length of the, con- of the consultation period, which is nine weeks, com- uh, as opposed to the, the, the minimum consultation period in regulations, which is six weeks. So we have allowed an additional three weeks to take account of the fact that it does straddle over, over Christmas. But it's, I mean, it's the same point, that if you want to move the consultation period to avoid Christmas, <coughs> the new year, it's going to push the end date of the process
1: no, I mean what, I, what I would say is the idea of saying that a consultation ends on the 31st of January, De- December, on New Year's Eve, is bonkers because nobody's going to... Well, it might be a bit like the um, registering for voting in the referendum, you know, where you, there's a last-minute panic, but I can't imagine much happening in, in, uh, in those few days. But if it, if it goes in the first week in January, yes, well, that, that's reasonable but to end it on new year's eve seems very odd
0: i think the key point is there's been nine weeks which is three more than the statutory so if people want to do it uh, on boxing day which some might because it's the only free day they've got then that's up to them councillor parry
2: thank you it's um very pretty but there's uh, there's no key to tell us what any of it means do the colored stripes is that just to delineate those lines um, and then you've got symbols like triangles and stars, and I don't know what they mean, um, without a key. This is quite sort of, what do we make of it?
5: Yes, it's a fair point. I'm sure there is a key, and I'm sure we can circulate that.
0: So um, I think the key point that, um, well, two or three key points that Mr Harper made, um, this is a... A, a, a work in progress. Uh, the chief executive, uh, as, as he, as the second point he made, now chairs the project board, is taking uh, project and programme management extremely seriously, not just actually for the Planning Policy Working Group but elsewhere across the Council, um, and uh, so um, that's why we've made the appointment. Um, so, um, and, and uh, also we have um, the new associate director of planning uh, starting on Monday. So, at your next meeting, you will have all those uh, I- um, labels that you're looking for, um, and the interrelations that uh, Councillor Dean is looking for um, uh, on this plan. So, it's it's, uh, it, it's it's an iteration of where we were. Um, the board is following the progress extremely closely, um, and um, but I want and I will get um, a plan that this committee is happy with. I give you, as long as you, as long as you don't keep pushing the goalposts all the time, uh, I, 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 I will guarantee to get you that, because I'm personally committed to it, and I know the chief executive is as well.
2: Could we have the key before the next meeting so that we can actually make some sense of this? Otherwise, we've got to wait a month and before we can
0: yeah,
5: well, fair use enough. it. Yeah, yeah. There's a
2: whole section here that we don't know what it means. Well, I don't, and Janice doesn't.
5: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm advised that uh, there is an explanation of, the, of the, uh, the symbols embedded in the spreadsheet, but it, it didn't leap out at me. So um, I think we'll have a separate key. I'll
0: we'll send that there. to you. Councillor
9: Chairman, uh, I'm slightly confused because we had a plan back in the spring time, and there was, then there were various steps saying there were various reports going to arrive. An example of that was it was going to be, I was expecting to see the ORS report on the Gypsy and Traveller allocations today. Now, not only have we not received that report on the ORS, but There's no mention of where these individual reports are going to come on here. So I presume the ORS are going to report on Gypsy and Traveller allocations, but I can't see it here.
0: And you will see it on the plan. I mean, in answer to the direct question tonight on Gypsies and Travellers, maybe we can answer that, but you will see it on the plan. No, 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 but the next iteration of this plan.
4: Yeah, I just, I think in response to that, Chairman, I'll go back to, to Roger Harbour's early comments about um, th- that there has to be uh, essentially a summary or a limit to how much information we can put on this before it will become totally meaningless. To answer your question directly, Councillor, it does fall within, in the evidence base um, row because it does form part of the evidence base along with about 15 other studies that we're undertaking. So, so yes, uh, to answer your question directly as well about where we are with it, we're still awaiting uh, the final response back from ORS uh, about what the changes to the definitions to gypsies and Travellers actually might mean for, for the need and the requirement that we've got, Chairman. Uh, let's,
0: let's be quite clear, and I'll make this point from the Chair. This committee, even if it's a book want to see every minute detail. So I don't take the argument that we can't fit it on the page. So that is what the committee is going to get. So rest assured. Okay. Is there any other business? Otherwise, going back to... Um, our diaries. We have the facilitated workshop on the 28th which is a closed meeting, um, very important session and we take um, Councillor Parry's point on board that you don't want to be jumped into this, you want to understand it, digest it, consider it um, and so that's a very important meeting. Uh, then we have, and sadly you're, you're on holiday, well not sadly, I'm sure you'll enjoy your holiday, but uh, you're not available on the 12th of July. Uh, Hopefully Councillor Lodge will be, and and others, 12th of July for the special meeting when Planning Policy Working Group will look at this, Um, and um, then then 14th of July, I think is the, sorry, no, 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 12th of July. Oh, Cabinet on the 14th, sorry Sue, yeah, Cabinet on the 14th, Yeah prior to the council meeting um, on the 26th of July. So a very clear timetable and if members aren't or councillors aren't comfortable um, that they're having the right information at the right time, then we'll have to try and squeeze something else in. But uh, I I actually think that's going to be enough. So on that happy note and uh, celebrating that we have a five-year land supply, I close the meeting.
4: Thank you. Sorry, Chairman. I haven't finalised the timings yet. We suspect at the moment it will probably be sort of mid-afternoon into the, into the evening because to try and do it just purely in the evening wouldn't, wouldn't do it justice, Chairman. But at this stage, we're, we're, we're contemplating sort of, as I said, mid-afternoon. Unfortunately, that will be difficult for some people, but for, to do it justice, we think it probably needs four or five hours, Chairman.
0: Uh, it would be really helpful if we could uh, give the time out
7: ASAP. Okay. Thank you, everybody.